Welcome to episode 7 of Petite Sounds, a podcast about language, parenting, and children. I'm Elaine. And I'm Hector. 7 is the number of good luck. But when it comes to raising a kid, you cannot leave all to luck, can you? No, ma'am. You need a plan, but we know it. We're all busy. We don't all have the time in the world to do a lot of research to learn all the things we'd like to learn about bilingualism and language acquisition. And sometimes you can feel a lot of external pressure because you might think that you need to fulfill all the linguistic expectations of your closest social circle. Questions like, are you sure you want to raise your kids bilingual? Aren't they going to get confused? Why aren't your kids in a bilingual school? And the list goes on. That's why, in this episode, we are putting together some of the techniques we apply and some others that, even though we don't follow ourselves, could be useful for your particular scenario. So if you want to know how you can support language learning at home, this is the right podcast for you. Are we ready? Ready to go. Let's start then. In the very first episode, we talked about the approach we had chosen to raise our kid. We are using the approach one person, one language. I speak to him in Spanish. And I speak to him in German. We usually speak to one another in our native languages, using English sometimes as a mediator when we need to either communicate more immediately or when we need to clarify something. This model has been debated throughout decades because of the claims that it is the paradigm to achieve balanced bilingualism. Balanced bilingualism is when you have the same degree of proficiency in both languages. And it is easy to understand why this approach, one person, one language, can be controversial. Because it looks very different, not only in different family contexts, but also within the same family across time. In our case, one of our family languages, German, is the dominant language. It could be, for example, that your family is composed of an English and an Italian speaker, and you are both living in Germany. Here, having a language that is not part of your family languages as the dominant social language already poses additional challenges. Of course, you can set your language policy at home and decide which languages you want to use when speaking to your kid. But the truth is that the kid will have less exposure to your family languages. And only a few can afford a nanny, a tutor, or an au pair to have an additional source of language input for their kids. That's why some families consider and actually send their kids to family members in one of their home countries. But even that is something that is not really possible up to a certain age. And it's not cheaper either. As I said... Time is an important factor, and this is because bilingual racing can look different if you have a newborn, an infant, a toddler, preschool child, preteen, or a young adult. Because 
the needs of your kid and also the amount of time they spend with their core families changes. A newborn or an infant tends to spend way more time around their parents, while preteens can have friends from their neighborhood, school, and other hobbies they may have. What could you do if you had a linguistic environment similar to our Italian-English-speaking family? Here is where you have to think long-term a little bit, don't you? Although life is somewhat unpredictable, you can think of the different developmental stages of your kid, starting with the family stage, and consider the languages that you're already using to communicate with your partner. That means, if you're using English in this case, would you keep it as a home language, or would you add Italian to the mix? Or the other way around. Let's say that you've been using Italian to communicate. Would you incorporate English into your daily conversations? How would you go about it? You could try to speak to each other in your own languages and see how well you understand each other. Do any of you have a harder time following? If any of you is having a hard time, what is it that is difficult? Sometimes... One of the obstacles to bilingualism is not really about learning the language, but more about the attitudes and beliefs that we may have about the topic. I believe that it's ideal if you both understand each other's language, because then none of you will feel left out when you're talking to your kid in each other's language. And besides, learning a language can be a lot of fun. And it's even more fun when you do it with your kid. I've learned a lot of Spanish just by listening to Hector speaking to our kid. I feel very confident about all the parts of the face after so many times I've heard Hector playing with our kid. And I've learned a lot of German verbs from listening to Elaine reading stories in German. And as your kid grows up, You could start incorporating other categories, like animals and colors and sizes, and with storytelling, the sky's the limit. Invite your children to join and participate in the story. You can even try out costumes to make the stories more vivid and more memorable, but sometimes just making questions about what is going on in the story can be illuminating about how much your kid can understand and follow. And as you detect that your kid starts to use language more creatively, you can introduce more complex games like the classical I Spy with My Little Eye. And even this classical game can be adapted to increase the difficulty to make it more challenging and entertaining as your kid grows up. Board games can also be really helpful. You would be amazed how much you can get out of a simple memory game where you can turn simple images into an immersive language learning activity. And now that we're talking about games, another thing you might want to think about is what your group of friends in your city looks like. But sometimes you're all on your own and you have to kickstart your own social life. And to be honest, it can be quite hard to find people who A, also speak your language and B, have kids around the same age as yours. If you're lucky, you'll find a group of speakers with kids that you can join. But you can be a community builder yourself. You'd be surprised of how many like-minded people you can find in your community. 
and if you find someone friendly, then you can organize play dates and have kids interact with one another and foster the exchange of any of your heritage languages, or sometimes even multilingual exchanges. And if that's not possible, technology can help a little bit with that. In our case, we often have calls with Hector's family in Mexico. That way, our son can also get a little bit more exposure to the language by listening to different voices. Our kid likes telling grandpa and grandma what he's playing with and what he's doing. And even if he doesn't use many words in Spanish, he definitely reacts to what his grandparents are asking. Don't underestimate the power of receptive skills. In any case, whether the dominant language is one of your family languages or not, And even if progress in one language might seem slower than another, that is completely normal. And if you have the money and the time, you can go to either of your home countries and, you know, give your kid the opportunity to take part in their cultural heritage and to expose them to a context where they are constantly prompted to use either of your languages. But... You don't necessarily have to travel with your kid to engage in cultural activities. We have taken some of my Mexican traditions and celebrations and encouraged our kid to participate, even though he's still quite young. Ever since Hector moved to Germany, every year we set up our ofrenda for the Dia de los Muertos and we prepare the altar for all of those family members that are no longer with us. Another tradition I've brought with me is Dia de Reyes, which is celebrated on January the 6th. And this is the celebration of the visit of the three wise men after Jesus was born. Kids get presents, mainly their favorite toys. And then as a family, we eat rosca. This is a type of sweet bread. Mmm, delicious sweet bread. That and a cup of hot chocolate is all you need to survive the German winter. And uh, now that we are talking about food... You have also brought a lot of your recipes and adapted them to the ingredients that you can find here in Germany. So that, in some sense, is also a part of sharing your culture with your kid. Yes, ma'am. And don't forget about music. Music is a powerful tool for language learning. And this is true whether it is one, two, three, or ten languages. That's right. Music can paint different pictures with words. It can also be a way of remembering grammar. It is full of cultural references and it can help your kid to tune their ears for pronunciation. And kids like singing and dancing, so it's a great way of stimulating their senses, bodies and minds at the same time. But let's say that you and your partner speak the same language and just move to a new city and you don't speak the language there. In that case, you might want to establish your heritage language as home language. For example, if both Elaine and I spoke Spanish as a native language, we would have adopted that language as the language of instruction and the dominant language, German in our case, would have to be learned once our kids started school, which actually takes us to the second stage. Preschool, and here it is quite useful to have some basic idea about the school system of your country, 
or the city or state in which you live in, because they might have different educational systems. In some countries, preschool might be monolingual, both in public and private institutions. And although there might be some attempts of implementing bilingual education at this early stage, the effectiveness of these policies is always conditioned by how many trained teachers are available and ready to teach. And this is also true for the third stage, primary education, where the national language is commonly used to instruct kids in all the subjects. And if you're a migrant who doesn't speak the national language, some countries can provide one year of instruction for new migrant children. But it can also be the case that you find yourselves fighting alone, since education authorities tend to assume that the kid will somehow acquire the language through daily practice outside school. As you can see, these are all situations that will challenge your strategy and creating opportunities for your kid to get exposure to different languages is very important. If you have family in your home countries, you could try to get additional books and they don't necessarily have to be children's books at this stage. Depending on the interests of your kid, sometimes it could be about other topics like animals, sports, or music. And you could nurture the interest that your kid starts to develop and use your language to talk about them. You could even try your luck in a public library where you can sometimes find and borrow CDs, DVDs, picture books, magazines, and other works of fiction that are appropriate for your kid's age. And what about TV? Although kids younger than two years old don't seem to get any benefits from watching TV, under certain circumstances, it could be used to increase exposure to the language. Nonetheless, it is always recommendable that, even if your kids are older, some additional guidance provided by an adult can help the input be more comprehensible. It wouldn't hurt. And the same as with books and other printed media, you can incorporate your heritage language into the interests your kid has. If you're lucky, you might even find cartoons from your childhood available on the internet. And that could open up another door for exchanging not only the language, but also the culture and bring lots of memories back to life. At this stage, remember to help your preteen or teenage child find safe interest-based online communities in their heritage language. Remember to be mindful of internet safety at all times. And now that there are starting teenage years and starting secondary school, what should parents be mindful of at this stage? Well, secondary schools at this level can be more independent than elementary schools. But the national language will most likely continue to be the language of instruction. At this level, kids might have had exposure to other languages starting in primary school, most likely English. Although in Europe, it's becoming more common the demand for one more language other than English. One important thing to mention is that at the end of secondary school, language testing can already start taking place. 
as it can be one of the prerequisites to access higher education. Given the wide variety of contexts, it would be impossible for us to cover all the different scenarios that you can find. But if you have any particular question, you can send it to us on our social media platforms and we'd be happy to help. Thanks for listening. Send your comments and questions on Twitter and Instagram at Petit Sounds. Leave a voice message or write a review on our website, www.petitsounds.com. You can also get in touch with us if you'd like to be a guest in our podcast. And don't forget to click on the follow button so you don't miss any episodes. In our following episode, we'll talk in more detail about how music can be used to help your kids learn new sounds. Talk to you in the next episode. Bis bald. Hasta luego.